All right, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump right in. Dear Father, I praise you and thank you for the word of God. Lord, we don't deserve your clear and gracious instructions, Father, but we are so grateful that you have seen fit to show us a way. But Father, amongst it all is your love, your great love and value for us. Lord, I pray that what I say will be profitable for each one of these women here, that it will be sensible, and Father, that it will be soft, Father, to their souls. It will be encouraging and life-giving for them. Lord, help me. May I speak truth, Father, and if I do not, I pray that you'll walk it from their ears. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. All righty. Y'all keep coming on in. There's plenty of spaces up front. It won't bother me. So guys, we got to the first verse of our lesson this week. Eeks. Um, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So I've been at Grace Savannah for 26 years. My husband and I got married in December of 96. And then on Mother's Day of that year, we was our first time to visit Grace Savannah. So we've been here a long time. So almost the same amount of time as we've been married. And I, over the years, I've set, served in a number of capacities at Grace Savannah. I think our first area was youth ministry. And I've sat under numerous teachings about wives submitting to husbands. And sometimes I'm ashamed to tell you that I might have sat there kind of like crossed arms with a I dare you look in my eye. And hopefully it's not as bad as I recall. But you see, I know that I have a rebellious spirit. Anyone else? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Man, the mere mention of a rule, and sometimes all I want to do is the exact opposite. Someone told me this weekend that they were invited to a wedding and that the bride had requested that the guests wear neutrals. Is that a thing? Uh, well, in that scenario, all I want to do is wear hot pink with a great <laughs> giant green hat. It's that kind of rebellion. <laughs> it's not generally that obvious. I mean, I've never been a wild girl or a heavy partier. My tastes are rather traditional, you can tell. Um, I fit the church culture pretty well. Um, the Lord has had claim on my life for as long as I can remember. Um, but on the inside, watch out. Sometimes on the outside, too. The thing is, I'm safe saying this to you because I'm not alone. You have it too. <laughs> so we go back to Genesis, Genesis 3, 16. And the ESV reads like this. To the woman, he said, and this is God, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. No, I'm not alone. You're all in this with me. We are all cursed, every last one of us. Well, now it's my turn to get to teach on Colossians 3.18. And I've wondered a lot about what I have to say about submission. I am no longer under the direct authority of my parents. I'm not a slave, but I am employed. But I also happen to be employed at a great church. Um, so I will draw most of my experience from my marriage. But if you are not married, that doesn't mean you can't relate or that this doesn't apply to you. I hope you will find some profit here. So 
What do I have to say about submission? First of all, it's hard. I wish it weren't, but it is. Maybe you, when you married, were the rare bloom of a mature woman who attached to a nearly perfect, adoring, mature husband. I praise the Lord for you. (laughs) But in all likelihood, you can relate to the idea that submission is difficult. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have to tell us to do it. The very need for submission arises from a point of conflict in ideas or pursuits. We use other words for points of agreement, you know, like happiness or joy. (laughs) I think it's funny. So often as women, we marry men who are about five to ten years behind us in emotional maturity. We married as kids to kids that super handsome guy that you just thought you were the greatest thing in the world suddenly became the little kid we had to share a bathroom with. (laughs) We had no idea how really gross men were until. And to my future daughters-in-law, I say, I tried. (laughs) And then those two kids who got married try parenting together. And who? Boy, talk about opportunities for someone to be in submission. They abound in parenting. Where do they sleep? Who gets up in the middle of the night? And how often do we use a pacifier? Do we let them cry themselves to sleep? And that's just to get through the first night. (laughs) Just wait till you start talking about school. Ladies, have you ever had that realization that you and your husband started parenting on the exact same day? I'll never forget the moment when I realized that. I think my oldest was like 15. Hopefully younger, but probably older. Uh, For years, I thought Ken was just behind, and why couldn't he catch up? Sadly, I still often think he's behind. But I am a little more quick to realize that it could be me. I don't know. Could be. Somehow, I had this crazy idea that even though Ken and I have been married and parenting the exact same number of days... I was doing it better. My natural desire is contrary to my husband. I want to rule our home. I want to be in charge. I want to be king. Thanks, Eve. But Colossians says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Too often, I think we might get this this verse and take it out of context. The world is saying so much against this Christian teaching. Maybe we just go to it to get our defense to the world. But when we see it in the context, this little verse explodes with beauty, wisdom, and fullness of grace. The letter to the Colossians has a message for us and the world. The message is this. Christ is preeminent in everything. We are to live as if Christ is preeminent in everything. And submission is a big part of living as if Christ is preeminent in everything. In the introduction to Colossians of Colossians 1, Paul remarks how thankful he is for the faith of the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 say, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, 
fully pleasing to him, bearing the fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is the purpose for the letter. Paul, Epaphras, and Paul's other companions have not ceased praying for the Colossians. Why? So that they, the Colossians, may reach the fullness of spiritual wisdom to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Everything following is for that purpose. I'll remind you again of the message of Colossians. Christ is preeminent in everything. We, Christians, chosen, holy, beloved, possessing the promise of glory with Christ, are to live as if Christ is preeminent in everything. And submission is a big part of living as if Christ is preeminent in everything. Let's tease that message out a little bit. The first point, Christ is preeminent in everything. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus Christ was there at the beginning, and everything was made through him. We were made through him. As creator, it is his right to, claim, to lay claim to our life, just as the potter purposes the clay. Christ has created all things for his use and for his purpose. Some fit for life, some fit for destruction, but all for his purpose. As creator, he determines the purpose for our life. Second point, as Christians, we are to live as if Christ is preeminent in everything. As redeemer, Christ empowers some of his creation to live a life worthy of his name. Christians have been chosen and set apart to walk worthy. All those putting offs and putting ons, are only possible through the power of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit of God, without which we would be fit for destruction. For everyone, everywhere, the Creator decrees His purpose for life. For those that know Christ, His mercy propels us for good, glory, and fullness. Praise be to God. So, how does submission fit within this plan? It is clear that submission is important. It's an important part of God's perfect plan. This week you looked, looked up the companion passages in Ephesians, Titus, and 1 Peter. We see similar messages repeated throughout the New Testament and the Old. The repetition makes it clear. Pay attention to this. Do this. God purposes all of creation, and there is not one maverick molecule working against the purposes of God's decree. Because of that, we know that God is an orderly God. He orders, and it is done. Though the world may look chaotic and wild to us, he is sovereignly orchestrating events to bring this world under his dominion. Submission is the key to that order. Quite a few years ago, we studied the book of John. That message still stands out to me today. Christ came to show us the Father. John 6, 37 says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You recall that Colossians 1.15 says, he is, the, he is the image of the invisible God. In Christ, God is made visible. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of submission. 
Dick Lucas says in his commentary on Colossians, submission is the only way in which human society can work without disintegration. To announce that the modern mind cannot accept this is unhelpful and misleading, since it is evident that sinful human nature has never liked it, no matter what century. In order for the world to have any picture of binding everything together in perfect harmony, we must have submission to one another. Without it, we fight and fuss and war and finally get disintegration. How many of you know the name Jeff Younger? Anybody? I bet you do. Jeff is from Texas and was at one time married to a pediatrician, Ann Georgilis. Jeff and Ann met at church. They were married for only a few years, but during that time they conceived through IVF a set of twin boys, James and Jude. I don't know the particulars of Jeff and Ann's marriage, but I've read that their boys were born, after their boys were born, they annulled their marriage. Jeff has become quite well known these days because he has become an active voice against the transgender movement. You see, Jeff's ex-wife has determined to raise James as a girl. After a long battle last year, Jeff lost total custody of his twin boys. And now they are being raised by their mother in California. Just a few days ago, Jeff posted this to Twitter. Young men don't get married. On a whim from your wife, you lose your property, your job, your business, your reputation, your kids, but also up to 60% of your pre-tax income for 20 years. You'll never recover. If you want kids, adopt or use a surrogate. I'm not making commentary on Jeff Younger's marriage. I'm not making commentary on divorce. We can talk about that another day. It is a necessary evil that God makes provision for. I introduce this story only to say that without submission, we get disintegration. Who could have imagined that this could be the landscape of our culture? Loving Christian marriages with a submissive wife are increasingly radical to the world today, just as they were to the Greeks. 2,000 years ago, Christian wives, Christian children, and Christian slaves were coming in to a new understanding of their status. It was suddenly elevated. All were now promised an inheritance far beyond anything they could ever have received on earth in their stations. And now their value was being proclaimed as their masters were taught to love them, not provoke them, and treat them with justice. To the Greeks, it was the husband, the father, and the master who would have been derided for following these new radical ideas of love, patience, and justice. Today, it is expected, demanded even, with great punishment for disobedience. Today, it was the wife, the child, and the servant or worker that is looked down upon for humbly submitting to the order that is currently in place. How many wives have you seen protesting their husband's charge for gender transformation? Not many. It's often the wives leading the way. How many children are now renaming themselves something like Luna instead of James? And at work, how many corporations are flying identity flags for fear of revolt within the ranks? It's interesting. 
In all three of the relationships that Paul references, wife and husband, child and father, slave and master, he addresses the subordinate first. Why do you think that is? Well, maybe wives, children, and slaves were not to abuse this newfound knowledge of their station and value to harm the relationships that they were in. That makes sense. I know I am prone to abuse my knowledge and value. We see examples of that happening every day. We struggle against humility. Maybe Paul had and God has a very present frame of mind, a sort of do today what the Lord has given you to do today. Trust him to orchestrate for the future. This makes sense to me too. Having a very present frame of mind is wise and frees us from the fear of tomorrow. It is holding on to the hope of eternity. But let's look at the context of Colossians. Paul struggled, not for himself, but for the sake of the Colossians, praying constantly for them, gathering news of them, writing a letter to them, all while in prison. He tells us in his letters how he longs to be with the people in the churches so that he can can preach to them and minister to them. Imagine the frustration of being led where you don't want to go away from what you think is your very purpose. Of course, he was struggling. He is desperately, he desperately wanted the world to know the truth of Christ's preeminence, their hearts to be encouraged so that they could reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God. I'm not in prison. Far from it. Do I struggle that my husband's heart may be encouraged in hope that he may reach the full assurance of the knowledge of God? Do I pray constantly for him? Do I listen to him and grow compassionate toward his struggles? Do I search for words that give a kind and gracious answer? Do I forgive him quickly and easily? What about my bosses? What about my elders? Submission is the act of putting on a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Submission is love. As a wife, I can submit if my eyes are looking past myself, looking past my current circumstance, and are focusing on the things above. Submissive eyes are Christ-centered eyes, hoping for the fullness of the knowledge of wisdom of Christ not just for myself, but for also for those I'm called to submit to. What do I want in my marriage? I mean, what do I really want? I really want for my husband to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. It's what I want for my pastors and my elders too. If I am already fully convinced of my status, my value, and my inheritance in Christ, then I can stop indulging the rebellion of my flesh and humbly defer in love. It is my glorious struggle. It is my small participation in the work of the kingdom. It is my walking worthy in the hopes that others might walk worthy in the same direction. And sometimes it is my portion of filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. The caveat that must always be said is this. 
The object of your obedience and submission is to the Lord Christ. If your husband or boss or anyone over you ever asks you to disobey the Lord, you are to submit to God's word and refuse. In clarity and truth, accept the way of escape and to seek guidance and how to continue walking worthy. Don't walk away from here with heavy questions. I realize that submission is easier said than done. But back to our verse, it's still there. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. We grieve the culture that surrounds us, don't we? We long for strong men to stand up and fight for what is good and right and God-glorifying. But do we help pave the way for that, or do we stand in the way? Do you have a strong man at home that you think is slow to get on board? Do you roll your eyes or answer sharply, cutting him? Do you keep things secret from him because he might disagree? Do you control his thoughts and plans with endless persuasion instead of listening for his quiet lead? What about at work? Do you have a boss that you belittle behind his back without, with gossip and complaints? Do you try to work around him or above him? Do you question every decision that he makes? The reason I find submission challenging in my, in my marriage is because Ken and I are in it. Two sinners who love the Lord but still struggle against not only our flesh and blood, but also the empty philosophies of the world. I've known a lot of marriages in my life. It's easy and fun to tell a friend who has a great husband, slow down, listen to him, he knows what he's talking about. It's much harder when they spend their days feeling unloved and betrayed. <coughs> From the beginning of time, there have been good marriages and bad. Jacob loved Rachel, not Leah. But God did not make his instructions dependent on the other person. We don't submit to our husbands only when we feel loved. And our husbands are not to love us only when we are submitting. Same goes for the child and the worker. We do it at all times because it is what is fitting for us as we seek to please the Lord. In today's world, perhaps the most radical thing we can do is submit to the authorities that God has placed in our lives. Work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that we have a perfect master in heaven. We have two beautiful, excellent examples in that in Paul and Christ. Both submitting to the will of God the Father and both struggling for the maturity of the saints. Maybe, just maybe, we also will make God visible to the world. What do we have to lose? Actually, nothing. R. Kent Hughes says, God pays us so well that when we get to heaven, we will wish we had served him even more. Yes, submission is hard, but submission is good. May the Holy Spirit of God give us success in stopping the indulgence of our flesh and binding together everything in perfect harmony. Christ-centered eyes and a Christ-centered mind. He is preeminent in everything. We are to live as if he is preeminent in everything. And submission 
is a big part of that. Let's pray. Father, give us success, Father, as we seek to walk worthy according to your word. Lord, may we leave here in hope and encouragement, not discouragement. Thank you, Father, for the fellowship of the believers in this room. It is a great gift to me, and I am so thankful. May we glorify and honor you for the rest of today and as we wake up tomorrow. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.